Welcome back, everybody. Welcome. This is episode number 29. 29. That's how old I am. Wow. I'm 28. You didn't say anything last time. About, oh, on episode 28? (laughs) Because I was making period jokes. Don't you remember? I do. Hey, anything you want to say about the last episode? Yes. Okay. So (laughs) I don't know if you guys noticed, but we added a little voicemail interstitial outro. What do you want to call that? Sure. Um, of a voicemail that my dad left me literally while we were recording that literally. episode. Literally, I, I took my phone off airplane mode because every time we record, my phone is on airplane mode, so I don't have to be distracted yeah. by anything. Um, and a voicemail came in from my dad, and it was literally, literally. about what I was talking about with the um, needing that expression of love from him in the way that I most need to receive it, which is unique to my dad versus someone who can give me professional connections. Um, And it just felt like the universe being like, hey, he's listening. He's Mm -hmm. doing it. And it was just this so beautifully uh, synchronistic timing that I just so appreciate Um, when I get those little like signs and sort of like wink winks from the universe. Yeah. I love that. I see them as a sign of um, there are still hidden forces or hidden forces that are hidden from our consciousness. I do think that they're scientifically measurable and not some supernatural sphere, but that there are things that like you were thinking about this because something happened and subconsciously you made some connections that he shared some event or had some similar stimulus Mm -hmm. and that also brought him to be thinking about this right now. And it's not a total coincidence that they happened at the same time. It's like you both needed approximately this much time to get these thoughts Mm. out based on some previous event and then, you know, certain processing and certain reminders. And then it, it, the only coincidence is that it happened like at the same time of day, but that it happened today is like more likely. And that it happened this week is really likely. Yeah. I mean, just the fact that it happened while we were recording, like probably yeah, about when I was talking about this exact <laughs> thing was when he was like thinking about calling me and leaving that yeah. voicemail. And it's one only of hundreds of examples of shit like this that happens to us. These coincidences that mm-hmm. we label as coincidences. Um, and I think that there is a, it's an opportunity to see it as this web of, like beauty or safety or faith Mm -hmm. that we can tap into when we're missing that sense of feeling held um, maybe by external relationships or other things. But like it's something that I've been seeing more lately and building my sense of faith in um, is that the universe has got my back. You know, I don't know if some people want to call that God. Some people want to, I don't know, not ignore it completely. The earth mother, whatever. Um, So funny about the earth mother. What do you mean? You laughed off the suggestion of the earth mother. Um, yeah, I don't know. I don't know why that is. Cause I think it's broader than, than just Gaia, you know, what's broader than the earth mother, the universe. Sounds like the earth mother. <laughs> right, exactly. So this is my point. We can argue over like what we want to call it, but we all and know we what that should. feeling is. <laughs> and we should waste all our time doing that. <laughs> waste. Waste. <laughs> well, I think that the earth mother. <laughs> my point is, I think that if we argued less about what was different in our belief systems and we wouldn't have any fun. Look, <laughs> looked more for the synergy. We could feel more connected to each other. Rob, if you're going to try to argue right now that you don't want us to feel more connected to each other, Uh, that's just ridiculous. Okay, Meow from the end of the Pokemon movie, circa 2000. What? What is that? You don't remember Meow? No, I don't remember something I've never seen. I don't remember something I've never seen. Maybe tap into the Earth Mother a little bit then, you (laughs) fucking universe believer. Um, If you don't remember Meowth's game-changing speech at the end of the Pokemon movie, circa 2000. Mm Mm-hmm. 
Mewtwo has created these duplicates of all the Pokemon, okay? Okay. And they're in this big battle of the duplicates versus the originals. Yeah, okay. And Meowth, uh-huh. the shysty little fucker that he is, has the realization... What'd he do? ...that maybe we'd be better off if we spent a little more time focusing on the ways that we're the same mm-hmm. and less on the ways that we are different. Exactly. I agree. Wholeheartedly. Okay. So that's why you're like Meowth. Great. <laughs> I don't know why there's like this like <laughs> tone of animosity that doesn't need to exist. Because we're actually, we were just talking about how we're both just kind of like happy with where things are and like feeling good about sitting down to record this podcast. Yeah. Um, but. I don't know. Maybe it's sexual frustration. <laughs> <laughs> That's my usual guess yeah. is there's an urge towards killing okay. or fucking behind uh, okay. any unexplained uh Yeah. Maybe it's a maybe it's an urge to kill things and I'm redirecting it here. Maybe. What, on a like, scale of 1 to 10 right now, what is yeah. your level of sexual frustration? Uh that I'm aware of uh, 1. Oh, okay. Yeah. But unconsciously there's all kinds of fish swimming in damn now <laughs> no deep dark murky waters. I don't know if those fish might have big boners. It's hard to say. <laughs> okay, so Rob is perhaps more sexually frustrated than he's willing to admit right now. You just don't know. You Nobody don't know. knows. Nobody knows. I mean, you can know, but I don't. Right, 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 right. The f- images of fish with boners deep down in the mid- in like dark you, pools. You ever seen an anglerfish? <laughs> What's that? The anglerfish is the one with the little light hanging in front of his oh, face because oh, oh, uh-huh. it's too dark to see, so he provides his own bioluminescent to. Mm. Uh, to attract his prey. Oh, sexy. Well, imagine the anglerfish, but instead of that, it's a dick. Ooh. And it's got a little light up tip on the end of it, <laughs> glowing yellow. And other fish come along to suck that dick, and the anglerfish goes, gotcha. <laughs> <laughs> so Rob is not sexually frustrated at all. <laughs> There's no unconscious material seeping up to the top all here. All that I'm asking is that you consider the anglerfish uh-huh. uh-huh. and the the possibility that there are still species swimming around in your subconscious that you have not discovered yet you know we just got the first video of a giant squid recently and maybe there are angler fish with hooked downward concave down facing dicks mm-hmm. that have a little bioluminescent dickhead yeah that are swimming around in your subconscious you're morgan you Beard's didn't ask me how sexually frustrated on a scale of one to ten i am on a scale of nine, nine. to ten. Okay. <laughs> I am sexually frustrated. <laughs> okay. Well, I think that our, our enlightened audiences would much prefer to hear about your sexual frustration than mine as it represents less of a threat to them. Why don't you tell them? Um, yeah. I don't – I mean, I don't think that your sexual frustration is that threatening. People it's just the masculine – People don't want to hear about guys complaining dude? about okay. their sex lives. But people love women. It's empowering to hear right. women finally sure, do it. Sure, but sure, guys sure. doing it. It's like, Jesus, oh, because here's it's another like man who's entitled to sex. Yeah, He's going to yeah, go yeah. rape somebody. Yeah, yeah. I got it. That is, that is a serious concern. <laughs> I'm not trying to belittle that. I just, it's a different – Totally. Thinking in a writing context, when you have like a sexually empowered character, you're going to write it as a woman now. You're not going to write it as a man because – it's like people have more negative associations like that man's yeah. just hurting people. If his whole thing is about sex, well, he's and it's been said and it's been done and it's been done and it's played out. Yeah, yeah. exactly. And it's, um, it's fine that it's like that. I'm, yeah. I am complaining, but I'm, it's I'm cool. cool with it being, it's all right. It's all right. It's <laughs> our time. It's our yeah. time, I guess. Yeah. 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 Um, yeah. So I'm, I don't know if I'm really at a nine. I didn't really evaluate. I was just trying to be dramatic. Do you want to feel it? Feel what? The sexual like, frustration? Do a body check in and see how sexually frustrated you are. Um, I mean, honestly, I'm, here's what's happening. Mm -hmm. I am not as sexually frustrated as I would be if I weren't being so creatively abundant right now. Uh, Like I'm creating a ton. Yeah. And so that does for real. It's an outlet. That sacral chakra right Uh now is just lighting up and it's like, boom, 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 boom. But I'm not getting any dick. So it's, you know, a trade off. Um, Mm -hmm. And and I think they're related because honestly, I am so excited and inspired and like charged up, let's say, um, in the domain of music and putting stuff out mm-hmm. there and like being creative like that. Um, and because it kind of comes from that same energy center, I, I think, in the body, I feel a little like depleted or you know, that energy is being spent on art right now and it's not being spent on lust. Um, this is uh, yeah. a, 
a powerful and tricky thing to talk about, but I'd love to take a second to explore it. If Please. You this is what my one man show was about. Essentially was mm-hmm. sublimating sexual energy into a self-improvement project mm. and self-improvement for you might look like recording songs for somebody else. It might mean finally writing a book or mm. um, you going to therapy to taking that yoga teacher training that they were always planning on doing, whatever it is. Um, mm-hmm. If you, this sounds like a sex negative idea. So just, Try to lower your defenses to this. The, the person delivering this to you is not religious. Um, I don't think that sex is a sin. I think masturbation is generally good. I mm-hmm. think like uh, the better a person knows their body, the better they can enjoy the world and be content in themselves. Yeah. And I encourage sexual exploration before marriage and um, outside of the context of loving, committed of relationships. <laughs> yeah, I just just because I think this stuff can yeah. be so off-putting. It was to me when I first heard it. Right. Um, not masturbating or having sex can be a powerful tool for a person um, engaging their creative energies and redirecting them to other pursuits. There is something yes. draining, especially for men. I was going to say the gender sex. difference is important. Yes. Um, though I think that there the is still difference. some effect of uh, when a woman's attention is spent on sexual gratification through these physical means mm-hmm. of like seeking out another partner that that type of scheming and plotting and yes. that yes. that it's can a major all still steal resource. like time yes. and attention from a 100%. creative out, uh, a creative pursuit. And, um, but it's not the same necessarily like lifeblood pool because I do think for women it multiplies. Jizz. Yeah. You're not literally yeah. lightening the load in your balls. There's, yeah. there's no, uh, it's not like you squirt a bunch of milk and then your titties get smaller after you come as a woman, but that does happen <laughs> as a man. <laughs> <laughs> yeah right yeah so that's, um, just look into it um yeah i'll, I'll just say that it, no and i probably would be more cre- i mean i probably it wouldn't hurt my creative impulse right now if i were masturbating more and more in touch with myself sexually yeah. but it does hurt but you my would creativity. spend that time not yeah i mean right. especially in terms of pursuing an external partner like another partner mm-hmm. that would be time and energy emotionally <laughs> emotional energy sure. especially um, that I'm really redirecting right now to myself and mm-hmm. my artistic output. So, you know, I, uh, just some fun stuff. <laughs> I don't know if I've shared this with you, but um, several people have texted me one-offs or repeated texts uh-huh. checking in uh, after seeing my one-man show and told me about their experiments that they were inspired by my show oh, and wow. they've decided to like abstain from having sex or mm-hmm. from masturbating for the next however long. And then I've gotten some reports from people about like how much it's made things better for them and how they're engaging in healthier habits and like the contents of their minds. They're more confident. Like all of the things that I wrote in that song, Jizz Genie, they're like, yeah, oh yeah, that shit's happening for me. Yes. Um, And that's been the most validating best reactions that I've gotten from anybody is hearing that like, Hey, this is changing my life for the better. I'm doing, I'm like, I'm, implementing the philosophies that you preach about in this comedy yes. music show. And I'm like, Oh fuck. Yeah. I did something that's helping people. Yes. <laughs> so good. Yes, dude. I mean, yeah. I totally think that that's like what mm. we're fucking doing here on this planet is yeah. to like put stuff out there. That's creative on the inside of us, put it, putting it out in the world to connect to something that's creative in someone mm. else and fostering that connection and that lifting each other up shit. Oh, we can it's go the best. real deep for a second. I'd like to share my life mission. You have the floor. As a poem, I've written it. <clears throat> yes, please. You know this. Mm-hmm. Love me, love you, help you love you and me till you and I are we. And if I just follow that order, if I just think about that, yeah. when I'm at a, a difficult uh, crossroads, yeah. Uh, it gives me um, great guidance. Like, oh, is this motivated by love for myself? Then does it help me love another person? Then mm-hmm. does it help them love themselves and other people? And then does it help form a community? <sighs> yeah. Yeah. I have so much clarity because of that. I'm so happy. Yes. I'm so grateful to myself for having um, codified that in that language. Yes. I honestly think that everyone, and that means you right now, you person listening to this, mm-hmm. ears that the brain that sits in between the ears that are filtering in this information, you would benefit from um, developing like Rob has like a succinct mission statement for who you are and what you're trying to do on this planet. Because then 
all of your other actions and decisions that often cause stress because of like, am I doing something that aligns with my values or, or do I prioritize this over that, mm-hmm. whatever, whatever. If you can distill it down and run it through that filter of, okay, to what extent does it embody my mission statement? It makes it a lot easier because yeah. it gives you an overall direction um, when you're having that little like crisis of, okay, which thing do I follow? Who am I? Wh- what am I really doing here? Yeah. It clears up a lot of that um, muck. Yes. And um, that can be a very threatening assignment to give yourself to write that type of mission. Or it could be super fun. It can It doesn't be. have to be perfect. You can always change it. That's what always, I'm getting at. Write that shit in pencil. Yes. Right, that should have been so. You're gonna want to erase and add things and yeah. r- erase things, and that's growth as a person. Is when yes. you make those edits, um, mm-hmm. that's a type of growth. You can have growth outside of that. <laughs> <laughs> but like yeah. I've edited yeah. some of that language. Yes. Uh, in that little mission statement I came up with like two years ago, it's evolved some over time, and uh, that feels good. And I'm glad that I did my best shot at it when I did it and didn't wait until now to fucking get it right. You know, right. then you're going to be on your deathbed and be like, all right, here's my mission statement <laughs> and I have no time to do anything with it. Uh, but at least it was perfect. Okay. Bye. Peace. <laughs> yeah. 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 Because it's every time you decide to create that like lens or guiding principle for yourself, mm-hmm. then you start living by that. Then you have some trial and error and some mm-hmm. things, your life experiences, where you're like, oh, okay, I want to change the way the lens is over here. I want to point it a little bit this way. Yes. I want to tweak this word, that word. And But you wouldn't know that until you've done the first step. If I may uh, give my own experience with how I've tweaked this before I even wrote it. Please. I used to think loving other people was more important than loving myself. Mm-hmm. And then I learned through some experiences yeah. that uh, I can love other people better if I love myself primarily or first. And it fixed my own oxygen mask first. So that yes. is actually more important. And that's what a lot of people call loving God, I think. It's like, I love God before all else. So it's, mm-hmm. They're just referring to that like love of that the, their highest ideal, their, space their, inside yourself. the goodness within them. Yeah. yeah. Um, uh, the other thing that I think I want to add on to this, because mm-hmm. I used to be like, yes, that's the reason to love yourself so that you can fill your cup and fill other people's cups more effectively. Because that's sake. true. Yes. Because that's true. However, the other thing is that because your soul energy is in your body, your personhood is the one that you have the most impact on to change anyway. So if you are going around expending a lot of your energy you trying to help other people, too. yes, you're the best recipient. Uh, you have, you can, yes, you can change. Um, you have the most control and power to change the body, the soul, the mind that is yours. Mm-hmm. And then, you know, the, what you, what you said, of course, is also true. And people also will see what you do and model that for themselves almost more than they will take what your words are, whatever, whatever, like unconsciously they are taking in the choices that you make and how you take care of yourself versus, you know, if you're, um, a couch potato, but you're telling other people these amazing things about how to motivate themselves, yeah, they're going to hear those words, but they're yeah. going to see you doing what you're doing and internalize that message as well. Nobody wants a personal trainer who's fatter than them. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. 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 Um, oh, good shit. Yeah. And, and, it, and honestly, like I, I went through a lot of like limiting shit about even internalizing these beliefs that I just said of like, oh, am I just using this as some justification to like, sure. you know, uh, pamper myself more or be yeah. more self-indulgent? It's like, no, that's the voice that's telling me, talking me that's out of devil. doing the thing that that's has the, the most impact, that gives the most love, that offers the most opportunity for connection. For me, the, the standard that I, my mission statement right now, which I know will totally change, mm-hmm. um, and is an intentionally very low bar because I'm also kind of fighting my own sense of like needing to be perfect to be successful. But my new metric for like, did I do a good job is did I inspire someone today? Mm. And it can be really little. It's just helping to either connect someone to something that sparks a little light of joy in them or performing in some way that like gets someone to think about something differently or, you know, just like smiling at someone on the street and they smile back. Like that's a way to inspire someone. It's, it's giving them a positive input and then multiplying that positive output. If I may um, take this to a sexual context and draw a connection, I've heard that flirting is um, 
having an excess of self-confidence and redistributing it to other people. Because I, I think it. I've said this on this podcast at some point in the past, but I love this theory of flirting is a noble and benevolent thing to do. Mm-hmm. Because in noticing another person and complimenting them, you are sharing like, I feel good about myself enough right now that I don't need this person's val. They can reject me and that's okay. Like yeah. I have an excess of this thing, this self-confidence and this attention that I don't need to be paying attention to myself and worried about what other people are thinking about me right now. Yeah. I have enough extra attention to give to somebody else and give them a compliment without like the good kind of flirting is without um, expecting something in return. Yeah. And then you, if that is received, which you can't control whether that lands or not perfectly, you know, some people still may reject that or disbelieve it. But in the moments when it is received, you've redistributed some of your excess self-confidence and some of your excess self-love and you've given it to another person. They like themselves a little bit better in that moment or they feel like, oh, yeah, my hair does look cute today or whatever the fuck it is. (laughs) (laughs) Yes. And the more that you love yourself, the more that you have that Mm -hmm. energy to share. Absolutely. And if you're operating from that sense of abundance, you don't have to only flirt with like the most attractive person you see. it's even better. Uh It's even better Uh to do it with people that you would not have sex with. Yes. It's like, what can you appreciate about them Mm -hmm. without that sense of like, oh, I don't want to like get them to think that I want this or that from them, whatever, whatever. It's like, yeah, flirt with the person you want to fuck, but also flirt with the person you don't want to fuck because Mm -hmm. it's just who doesn't want to be flirted with? If you can spare some extra flirting energy, do it. The world that we live in is full of people who feel unseen and disconnected. And when you can provide a little bit of relief from that, you are doing God's work. I don't (laughs) believe in God. You are doing your work. Exactly. You're doing your part of God. You're doing the, the, (laughs) yes, the best part of you is operating and shining through you. Can I speak on God and the devil for a second real quick? You keep saying, can I? Like, can I? yes, this, yeah, whole, this well, is your podcast. You I know, say I know, whatever you I know. want. I'm say just, whatever I'm sort of you like, want. This is great. I'm introducing the idea and then you, because you're in charge of the questions this episode. Sure. So I like want to give you space to ask all the advice questions. But people might you. find this interesting. This has been helpful for me. Fuck yeah. I'd rather have this podcast flow than be like, no, it must just cool. stick to this agenda. <laughs> cool. Great. Um, I grew up essentially not believing in God, mm-hmm. especially starting in world history when I learned about world religions. And I was like, oh, this is just another one of these examples. I'm in a civilization just like those other, like the Vikings. And mm. how is my God any different from Loki and Thor, which we laugh at and make cartoons out of, whereas like <laughs> the Christian God, I guess, is supposedly different from that. Mm, okay. And that, then I called myself Mr. agnostic. <laughs> yes. And then I read Let's God Know. And I was like, oh, no, I'm an atheist. I actually yeah. don't believe in God. I just think you can't know. But that's if someone wants to know about my belief, it's no, there's probably not a God, like a person who controlled heaven and made the world and all that shit. That doesn't make sense to me. Right. Um, or force that's human-like in any way that could use a he or something yes, like yes, that. Yes, yes, um, yes. So I was like, no, I'm an atheist. I don't believe in God. Now, I still don't believe in those things, but I have use for the term in um, describing the well of love and kindness and the highest potential, really love, that's um, available to to each person within themselves. Yes. And that knowing that is what I think knowing God is. Yeah. Um, and the devil is, to me, fear and resistance and the many tricky forms that that takes. This is Loki. This is the mm-hmm. trickster. Um, I'm just using the Christian symbology of God and the devil, but there's... Throughout yeah. time, there's been so yeah. many different symbols for these things. Yeah. Well, I, personifying it, I think, is really helpful to yeah. knowing what it is and being able to extract it and say, no, I don't want that force impacting what I ultimately choose to do. Yes. Yeah. But I don't literally believe in someone underground who has hooves and horns and is going to poke <laughs> me with a fork if I'm bad. That's like another fairy tale that people made up to represent that if you live yes. in resistance, if you live in <laughs> the fear that the devil represents, yes. you will be in a personal hell of laying in bed all day is what it looked yeah. like for me. That's when fear has taken over my life. That's like the hell that I live in is being disconnected from others, being disconnected from my own love for them and my own love for myself. That is when I am in the devil's domain. And when I am in heaven, it is because I have let, I have chosen the love inside of me for the things that I love, making music, the people that I love, the um, ideas that I love and the behaviors that cause me to love more. Um, yeah. So that's my idea of uh, God, the devil, heaven and hell. Yeah. And that's why, again, I'm going to point back to like, what is your personal mission statement? Mm. Because that gives you a focal point for what is my version of God and uh, what is my version of devil. That's a road to heaven. It's a road to heaven. It's your personal road to heaven. And I think that each person 
has some kind of purpose or mission that they're here to fulfill, whether they're consciously aware of it and choosing it or not. Yeah. Um, but I think that from personal experience and from what I've seen and heard of other people, their lives change infinitely for the better once they align with what that is. Mm -hmm. And I don't think it necessarily has to be something that you find with any level of spirituality or religion. However, those things are very popular avenues to look for them. Sure. Um, You know, like for me, going through... Uh, years and years of depression and fighting that and finding my own healing path out of necessity. Like that's been sort of a religion to me. And then of course, later days has led to a more spiritual outlook, but that's a really new thing for me. Um, Mm -hmm. And it's not a requirement to buy into that, but you may find yourself getting there eventually down the road (laughs) and then having to let go of your former beliefs about what that means. (laughs) Can I make a physical metaphor? (laughs) Please. Um, uh, your body needs some type of movement to feel good mm. and people understand the benefits of that once they start moving. And there's a lot of resistance mm. to that. Um, jogging is a popular form of yeah. getting that movement and yoga is another popular one. Mm-hmm. Well, Christianity and Buddhism are two forms yes. of spirituality that really appeal to a lot of people and help like, let's say their soul, which is another yes. thing that I don't really believe in, but you know, I'll use that terminology. <laughs> exactly. Yeah. And we're, Everyone we're wants to this. get to the ocean and there are a gazillion tributaries, rivers, deltas, mm. creeks to follow along to find that flow yes. and eventually get to the ocean, which is like, I, I, I think love is the the word that makes the most sense to me. Like it's an open mm-hmm. form of love that doesn't have so many conditions and discriminatories of like, I love these people, but not these people. And I love this type of thing Without on a Tuesday or, or on a Sunday. Yeah, exactly. It's that open, <laughs> unconditional, as people say, love that's just flows out of you towards everything. And yeah. it's an ideal. I, I am not totally practicing that, but I'm seeing myself yes. approach it and it's, I am enjoying my life more the more and more I experience love and the less and less that yeah. I am in the darkness of fear that love illuminates. And the more like the more that you give yourself permission to tap into that. Oh, yes. Often we so we set up to so many obstacles. I will be deserving of love once I bop. I, I will, you know, <laughs> once whatever. I Making twist, it fe- <laughs> once I pull. And if <laughs> I do I not it. <laughs> if I do not twist, pull or bop at the right moments, Ow. (laughs) Um, But my point is like so many of these obstacles we put in the way of, I will get that good loving thing. Yeah. I will let myself be happy. I will let myself whatever, whatever. We push it off to the future once Mm -hmm. we've accomplished some task. Heaven is something that happens once I die. Right. That's the fucking Yes. We are living in the afterlife. It's about waking up and realizing it and realizing that so many of the things that we think are these concrete obstacles to our joy, our love are not, they are in our head. Yeah. Stan learned this on a very special episode of South Park (laughs) when the boys were trying to build a tower to heaven. Oh yeah. And at the end of the episode, he says, you know, I, I learned something today. Yeah. What if we spent a little more time, uh, trying, stop trying to get to heaven and instead trying to create it for ourselves here on earth world might be a better place <laughs> does someone go oh that's stupid or something probably, right after that probably they pulled the rug out from under it <laughs> and that they nailed the formula like they always do of having something super profound and then yeah. somebody taking a shit <laughs> it's yeah like, yeah great god i love south park <laughs> me too i'm so inspired by those guys yeah anyway uh, oh what are we at here okay it looks like fucking half, do, halfway through let's go lightning round one all right maybe one lightning round question do five lightning rounds and make them real lightning Whoa. Okay. I feel the electricity. Oh, my hair standing on end. The goose pimples have invaded my spirit. Let's go. Okay. This first pachoo pachoo lightning round question comes to us from anonymous W October oct nineteen. Okay. Anonymous W oct nineteen. Okay. That was complicated. Sorry. I tried weed for the first time last night, but I don't feel the same the day after. Mm. Hello. I was hanging out with some friends by a massive lake, and one of them had some weed. It wasn't much, just enough for some pipe puffs, <laughs> as we all call them. Um, at the time, I did it and I and really enjoyed it and went to sleep still feeling great. Now I've woken up the next day and the world feels different. I don't know if it's in a positive or negative way, but I'm confused on why. Any help is appreciated. I will try and reply to comments. All right, Anonymous. Okay. <laughs> you want to go first? Uh, yeah. 
Uh, cool. Thank you for asking the question. Um, it's not going to feel like this forever. It's not like you've been permanently changed by this thing. Yeah. Uh, there's such a thing as a weed hangover that people don't talk about nearly in the ways that they do talk about an alcohol hangover. But um, a lot of times the day after, if I've smoked weed, I will be tired and I want to take a nap and I'll be more interested in consuming things than creating things. A recent thought that I've had about weed, and this may be a little bit more advanced than this asker once. So I'll just, I'll give the floor to you. I won't go. No, no, I want you to, I want to hear it. I think that, um, weed puts me and other people like Joe Rogan into, (laughs) (laughs) I've heard him talk about this. Uh, it's a feminizing drug. It puts you into your feminine state of being more where you're more open to receiving things and less about doing things, getting things done. Mm-hmm. I think maybe I haven't done cocaine, but I'm assuming that cocaine from what I hear from other people is more mm-hmm. of like a masculinizing do, 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 do things. Um, or maybe speed is like that. Um, I think that marijuana puts me in like a, Oh, let's just receive. And I've criticized that before as like, Oh, I hate when I'm, when I'm smoking a lot of weed, I become just interested in like watching TV, eating things, consuming, mm-hmm. taking mm-hmm. things in, you know, feminine, like a vagina. Um, <laughs> oh, I'm super aware. <laughs> in case people don't use terms like we do. Um, yeah. Yeah. Feminine being more about receiving things and yeah. focusing yeah. on the flow of love. And yeah. We've talked about before yeah. on this podcast, the, the polarity of energy that okay. is masculine and feminine, not necessarily restricted at all by gender or sex. Yes. However, there is an, an, an alignment to a person's anatomy that it does make yes. sense that like a feminine is like a female is like a, yes, but they're distinct. I, I, as a male mm-hmm. with a penis, have, um, we all have buttholes again. The great equalizer all, is the butthole. Everybody can both take things in and yes. put things out of their butthole. Yeah. So the butthole is both a masculine and a feminine doorway yeah. if it wants to be used that way. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> um, yeah. So I, weed has been something that has put me into a more feminine state of mind. And the more that I'm smoking at a certain time, the more I am feminine in that moment of my life. And sometimes that's been bad for me. Sometimes that's been good for me. Um, so I want to take a completely different approach, <laughs> okay, well, which I believe is equally valid, yeah. um, to answering this question, just based on my gut response kind of to it. Yeah. Um, which is you woken up the next day and the world feels different. Um, and the reality to me is that, yeah, the world is different. You have now had an experience. Mm. You've ticked something off of your list that you hadn't done before And you've seen the world through a slightly different lens than you ever had before. And like you say, whether it's positive or negative, it's almost a moot point because it's just something now that you've experienced. It would be like if you said, yesterday I went Uh, skeet shooting and I feel different the next day. And it's like, well, you've experienced a new activity and it opened up a different way of seeing the world. mm -hmm. You've seen yourself in a different context and maybe you've had some thoughts or you've done some things that are outside yeah. of what the repertoire of what you've ever done before. Like you're 14. Maybe you've recently discovered masturbating and you went skeet shooting right. that day. <laughs> and then the next day you woke up and you said, the world seems different today. Well, it is. You've just been yeah. skeet shooting and you've now discovered that you can shoot your skeet whenever you want. <laughs> I knew that was drum rolling up to something. Um, but yeah, I don't think there's like, I don't think there's inherently a positive or negative thing to it, but sort of like, I'm going to use another metaphor. Similarly, like, like losing your virginity. Sometimes Mm -hmm. we talk these things up like, Oh my God, my life is going to be so much different before and after this big activity. I'm going to be a different person. Like, you know, I I will have lost something that I once held on to. It was once a part of my identity. And I don't know what your history is, but a lot of people, and I did this too, thought of myself I've as like, I'm never, yeah, I've never done this never thing. Done a drug. Yes. Yes. And <laughs> sorry, I'm like, no, no, but it's, it's there are versions real, of us that did absolutely. this. I was so that person. I was that person. And was I know people are still time. those people and they, yes. and I'm like, Oh, that seems like a silly thing to hold on to from my perspective. Like, oh, yeah, <laughs> but yeah. okay. And so the reality is, yes, you're no longer someone who hasn't smoked weed, but you're now someone who has. <laughs> <laughs> so there you go. <laughs> so there you go. Um, and not to you know be dismissive of like the fact that you're saying like, whoa, I really feel different. I think that's something really important to notice. Yeah. And if you're interested, uncover 
why, Mm -hmm. why is that important to you, that distinction, but to remember that there are infinite experiences in your life that you're going to have for the first time and then no longer kind of get back. Yes. I think there is Mm. built into this question, a little bit of either like nostalgia for the past or sort of, um, a, a fear of the passage of time. And so I wanted to pull that out. Mm. Um, and that's sort of how I read this question, but I didn't even think of the like, oh yeah, duh, there's also a weed hangover. So he might be feeling a little foggy I love or that she, we took, whatever. Uh, your perspective yeah. is great. I'm so glad that I heard it. <laughs> if I was answering this I'm alone, I would have forgot to too. do the coming of age part I of it. I would have forgot to do that. <laughs> <laughs> that's why we're so good together. Do you think that there's a masculine and feminine divide in the way that we answered this question? I'm like, your body has I these sure neuro... Do. <laughs> I, sure do. I love it. Yeah. I love it. Yeah. And you're focused on the love they have for themselves as they change. Um. <laughs> <laughs> well, and validating that sense of like, yeah. yeah, you did lose something that you won't get back. Dude. And that's an experience you'll have over and over and over again. And it's only a bad thing if you let it be this like, oh, I've lost this virginity of sorts. What's, what's this asker's name? Anonymous W. Oct- Can Oct- we just uh, uh, adopt Anonymous W at 14 and make this our kid? Because we d- we're going to do such a good job parenting <laughs> Anonymous W if we start right now and we just continue. <laughs> We don't know that this person is 14. Aren't they? We also don't know I thought they were the 14. Gender. I thought it was a 14-year-old dude. It's not included in the question anywhere. No, I think you've just assumed that it's a 14-year-old dude. It must have been someone else's be. question that they said that they were 14. My bad. Oh, okay. Um, you, but I think yeah. that talking to a 14-year-old boy, even this if it's not fine, this person, sure. This person sense. could be 25. This person could totally. be 50. Totally. But it's probably that they're younger than 50. Um, yeah. Uh, yeah. And it's also, it's okay that you enjoyed it. And if you yeah. hadn't enjoyed it, That's the last that would have been okay say. too. <laughs> if you're uh, if you're a teenager right now and yeah. you're growing up in this climate, you will have heard a lot of really bad things about weed and you will have heard a lot of really positive things about weed. And that shit's confusing. And even if you've picked a mm-hmm. side, even if you've picked like, yeah, I'm a stoner, you still probably have that stuff floating around in your head from dare class or a relative or somebody who was judging somebody else for, oh, I can't believe they'd show up to this thing high. And that type of shit is in there <laughs> similar to sexual shaming. Like even if you're a totally uh, sexual pos- sex positive person, there's probably some sex negative stuff in your head. So there's probably some totally. drug negative stuff floating around in your subconscious. Yes. And like just be aware that that might come up as you um, – you might judge yourself for doing this on some yes. level or not even be aware that you're judging yourself. Yes. And there – that's okay to judge yourself and that's okay yeah. to, there are positives and negatives to every drug choice that you'll make. There are serious costs to smoking weed that people who are like, it's the best shit in the world and everyone should be high all the time are ignoring. And mm-hmm. there are serious benefits that people are like, that's the devil's grass. That's, that's <laughs> that reefer makes people go crazy. Those people are also ignoring, like a lot of times it makes it more fun to listen to music or giggle with your friends and play a video game or whatever yes. you're using it for. Yes. Yes. Um, I also want to mention that Rob and I are fortunate because we're recording this podcast from Los Angeles, California, where it is legal to smoke weed. Mm -hmm. Um, You know, we don't know your situation. So there are other consequences that we're kind of not, we're ignoring that that are potentially ones that you're facing. Um, And that's important to say too. Um, Enjoy responsibly. Absolutely. (laughs) Do your research. Yeah. Use different sources because, you know. Some of this shit is very biased. Yeah. That's all. Yeah. Have fun out there. Have fun out there. Feel free to write us again at freeadvicepodcast at (laughs) gmail.com. We'd love to hear how your journey continues. And uh, just tell me your birthday and I'll just send a card. You're not, what? What? Just tell us your birthday and we'll send you a little card. Oh, I thought you were going to like go into like, we'll steal your identity. What's your social security number? I thought you were going to do that joke. You just want to send this person a card. This is our child. Oh, we just, I just want to let them know that they're loved from afar. I'm so glad we named them Anonymous. Anonymous it's W. It's really becoming. <laughs> um, Anonymous W is actually named William. <laughs> Don't tell anybody. Don't tell anybody. Okay, I won't. I won't. Okay, good, good. Um, well, should we hit our main question? Hit the main. If you're ready. What do we have? Yeah, yeah. go ahead. Pachu, pachu. Thanks for pachu, that fire. Pachu. Li- lightning fast fi- <laughs> fire lightning round. <laughs> Woo. Okay. Um, all right. Our main question today comes to us from Emily Marie Q. Why do I continue to deny help even when I know I need it? Mm. My anxiety and depression have gotten really bad lately. I mean, it's always been bad, but recently isn't gotten worse. I think she means it's, has gotten worse. Yeah. 
I can't and don't want to do anything. I sit in my room and cry mostly. School has become impossible and any other extra any other extracurricular activities or hobbies I used to love, I don't enjoy or don't care to put the effort into. My anxiety makes it nearly impossible to leave my house, let alone go to school, but somehow I manage. I've been offered help by so many people, family, friends, etc. However, I always seem to deny it and say that I don't need it or that I'm quote unquote doing fine. I know I need it. I know it would be beneficial. It could change my life around, but I can't bring myself to do it. It's like an automatic response to tell people that I'm fine to deny feeling the way I do. I don't know how to break the habit. I've gone on for so long pushing these feelings down, and now suddenly I want to bring them up again. So my question is, how can I get the help I need and admit to family and friends that I need help? I love this question so yeah, much. I that's fucking great. love it. Oh, what a tough Emily spot Marie, to be thank in. Thank you. Thank you so much for sharing your issues. I imagine there was a, a, a huge internal struggle in even voicing these things, yes. sharing them with other people, being vulnerable in this way. Thank you. Yes. And, you know, I chose this question because it's, while it's specific and personal to you and vulnerable and intimate, so it's something I hear all the time. You're not alone time. in this. There are a lot of people going through this or something yes. similar, not exactly what and you are. that that sense of that discord between I, I, I know there's something wrong and I'm feeling it, I'm suffering, and but I can't get help. I can't yes. take any external tangible steps to mm-hmm. go for it, go towards something helpful, yet I know that something's wrong. But I say I'm doing fine. And like unpacking that yeah. for people is so hard You've to get a, even more specific about what it means to be fine. great job of explaining this situation. Yes. And you already have a lot of insights that most people start this process without. Yes. Whoa. I'm so sorry. It's I just okay. put my phone on the table and then it just fell off. You put your phone on the floor. Uh-huh. <laughs> Morgan and I have a friend who says that fine is the opposite of here. He recently went through a tragedy and um, has used that response to when he asks family members or other people how they're doing and they say, fine, um, I believe he has found some comfort in that ideology. Can you explain that more? I don't actually Fine is the opposite means. of here. H-E-R-E? Yeah. Okay. Um, when a person says that they're fine, they are denying mm. their actual feelings and suppressing themselves. They're not yeah. present. Fine is not it. a feeling. Yeah. It's... Um, it's a, the real thing a person is saying when they're saying, when they're responding to how are you doing with fine, I guess it depends on the tone, but usually it's, um, I would not like to engage with my internal state right now. I'm mm-hmm. going to be unpresent with my true Here's a cop out answer yeah. that we all accept as here's, acceptable. <laughs> yeah. Here's, um, here's a, a way for me to avoid you yeah. and not be present. Yeah. And so fine is the opposite of here to me means that I haven't asked him what his take on it is, but I imagine yeah. it's something similar. Yeah. And so what's really difficult about that statement is that it's so socially ingrained. Anyone, mm-hmm. anytime anyone asks, how are you doing? Good, fine. Like these positive words. There's value in that, I think. Sure. As, yes. But, but if you uh, over apply it, go ahead. I mean, I think I mean let's take it. No, no, it's okay. I mean, I don't think that you're wrong, but I think it's clouding to to. Shh, state okay. that here but i'll say it later <laughs> please say it later <laughs> say it so much so much later um but you <laughs> know call you at midnight <laughs> it's, yes there are times and contexts where you don't want to get into a whole thing about how yeah, you're really doing yeah, and you don't and someone have to isn't yeah and and you you're not really even being to invited sometimes. to necessarily yeah. however when you automatically say i'm good or i'm fine it denies yourself of the opportunity to really check in with yourself and see, well, what's actually going on inside of me. And I notice so many times, <laughs> like try to notice this when, when you ask someone how they're doing and they say fine or good, which is, you know, 90% of the time, what is the next thing that they say? Can't complain. Or, uh, then they, they do complain about something. It's often I'm good. And then it's something yeah. negative and it's like, okay, so really, is that what's top of mind right now? You're really, right. really good. Right. It's an automatic <laughs> response. It's question. an automatic response. It's total fluff. Watch what happens if people ask you how you are and you close your eyes and take a deep breath and then pick an answer. People don't know what the fuck to do with that because they're expecting <laughs> you to say good as before they even finish the question mark on their text. Yeah. So noticing that that's 
the automatic tendency yeah. is really important and kind of withholding from falling into that trap. Um, so that would be one really simple way you could start investigating or dipping your toe in the possibility of like, how do I ask for help? How do I just even communicate mm -hmm. that right now I don't feel fine? Okay. So what do I feel? Cause again, fine is not a feeling. That's sort of the blanket statement. It's, it's a it's, numbness. It's, it's saying nothing. I'm not feeling. Yeah. It's... I'm not feeling. Um, so, okay. How can you be more specific than that? Hmm. I'm, you could even say I'm feeling numb. That's a feeling. Mm -hmm. I mean, I'm sure you wouldn't say that to like Joe Schmo on the street, but if you were it's in a situation, sure. Um, you know, you're specifically asking, yeah. how do I open up to my family or my friends? And yeah. these are people that will want to know what's one level deeper than fine. Yes. They will care about what's going on in your Maybe. life. And what's feeling. Yes. Sure. Um, well, I think this person said that they were those resource people were reaching out to them yes. to her. To, but know. I'm saying maybe the, this is, I don't know enough about the situation, sure. but one possible theory that I have is that this person could be experiencing depression, mm -hmm. um, as a coping mechanism for some feeling that they have turned down the volume on all of their feelings because there's one feeling that people around them do not accept yes. or they do not sure. accept in themselves sure. because of the way that people react to that. This could be anger. Mm -hmm. This could be guilt. This could be fear. This could be any number of things that you don't feel safe expressing mm -hmm. in, in the current um, community that you belong to, your friends or your family. Mm -hmm. um, and maybe that's because of the way that, um, I don't know, your mother reacted to your father's anger or something mm -hmm. like that, that you don't feel like it's okay to feel anger in yourself. And then I think that I'm, I'm picturing all of the feelings like instruments in a song right now. And maybe there's like a super loud air horn that's going off and just ruining the groove that you were feeling of, you know, getting, being sad sometimes and being happy other times, being afraid other times, but maybe there's anger is just a fucking air horn in the, in that mix of the music. And so what your body does is turns down the volume on the entire song. And that is my understanding mm -hmm. of depression that I will no longer feel anything in order to not hear that air horn. And mm -hmm. often the thing that you have to do to begin enjoying the music again is identify the air horn and let it, honk to people that will accept it and in a safe space where you're not going to hurt somebody else, but you can engage with and know that that one emotion that maybe mm -hmm. is so threatening that you've decided or not decided, but you, mm -hmm. your body has mm -hmm. decided or your subconscious has mm -hmm. decided to turn down all of the music. And that's what my experience of depression, mm -hmm. uh, I make sense of in that way. Totally. Totally. Um, and so sometimes it's hearing that air horn instead of going, wow, I'll turn the volume all the way down again. You hear the air horn and you go, okay, I hear, the, I hear you, air horn. Mm -hmm. You're trying to communicate something really loud and really important to me. Thank you. Yeah. What is it? What are you trying to say? Yeah. What, and yeah. listening. And you might not get that answer immediately. It might take months and that can be really frustrating. Yeah. But it's such a critical stage to be... It's a practice. To engage with your feelings. Yeah. And... A healthy community. Uh, uh, there are types of healthy communities that don't help people do this, but like the, I think the ideal family environment is something that I've had created for me in this men's emotional support group that I go to. That this year, I've mm -hmm. experienced people who unconditionally validate my emotions. They just, I say, I'm feeling lazy today, or I'm feeling angry. I'm feeling worried, and they say, You're feeling angry, worried, and lazy, and they don't tell me that I shouldn't feel mm -hmm. those things. They don't tell me why I need to do something else to be better. They just reflect that back to me and nod and tell me to breathe into it. And that sounds like some hippie dumb bullshit to me initially, but it's life changing to have people yeah. who are doing that with you and a good relationship with a therapist will provide something like that for a person too. Yeah. So let's take a step backwards because I think yeah. this person needs help getting from the state of, I know something's wrong, but I'm really struggling with sure. asking for help and even getting to the point where I can vocalize that I want a therapist. Okay. So how do we walk them up to that line? Um, I think that the stuff that we were talking about, about just being honest with your feelings mm -hmm. and the fact that you even posted asking for help from a community, sharing your feelings, honestly, yeah. yes. Celebrate the fact that you it. already did That's it. Great. You took a huge, yeah. huge step, huge. And I feel so fortunate to be talking to you right now as a result of that step that you took. Mm -hmm. And so 
do not deprive yourself of any of the celebration that you deserve for taking that step because it is so hard. Some of the training that we have, the programming that we have absorbed about asking for help is that we are a burden. We should be ashamed of our need for help. We should be able to do everything on our own. We don't need other people to help us. Um, emotions are weakness. Um, we're going to squash someone else's happiness if we mm-hmm. bother to tell them that we are sad. Like all of these things are part of that giant weight clamping down this little voice that's trying to go, but, but I can't do this. But yeah. I need help, but I need support, but I don't even know what's going on. I'm confused. I'm overwhelmed. There's so I can't get off the couch. I can't. All those problems that you're describing. Because that voice has been so, so squashed. And it's stuff that's really insidious. Um, you know, it may be in your early childhood environment. So again, mm-hmm. yeah, for a lot of people that I talk to, family is not a safe place to unearth these very vulnerable, nascent feelings of help. Like when I tried to open up about my depression to my mom when I was, mm, I don't know, maybe early high school, you know, she was like, oh, you're not depressed, you know, exercise, take vitamins. And that to me, like, you know, could have been kind of a nothing and I could have gone, okay, well, that solution doesn't work for me. How else can I get help? Whatever, whatever. But to me, I had worked up so much courage to even bother to admit to her that I was that critically sad to go to her and then to be so, in my opinion, like minimized and Mm. dismissed was like soul crushing. It was like, oh my God, I can't take this to anyone because it's so unacceptable and I'm so wrong for even having perceived it. So you are really barking up a big tree, whatever the fuck. Yeah, big tree barker. Can I um, (laughs) give some advice for moments like that? Of course. What you experienced with the vitamin recommendation of your mom? Um, I think it's a good idea if you know that something has been difficult for you to work up the courage to even talk about with another person, Mm -hmm. introduce it like that in some form. And this may be even more vulnerable to say, Hey, I'm really nervous about saying this right now. Can I have your full attention or when would be a good time? Mm -hmm. That would be another way to like put the ball in their quarter. When is a good time for me to talk to you about something serious? Cause they might be in the middle of cooking a meal and have three things that they're monitoring and that you don't know about, you know? Yes, and I think set the stage for it to be sensitive and you need them on your team to hear it. Like somehow indicate to them that it would really hurt my feelings if you looked at your phone in the middle of this conversation. Right. Or in the middle of what I'm saying, if you um, took a phone call right now because someone was calling you, I would be devastated. Mm -hmm. Um, You don't need to say that exactly, but somehow- uh, It would make me feel really unimportant in a moment where I'm trying really hard to assert Yeah, where I've got an open wound and I'm asking you to like, that you're, uh, I would feel uncared for. Um, So this is creating a safe space for yourself is what this is, for you to um, ask for something that's difficult or explore dangerous territory for yourself emotionally. Mm -hmm. So ask for that help from people first and- Try not to demand it on your timeline. Um, if it's a very sensitive moment and you're in a crisis, then yes, you have to demand it. <laughs> yeah. But if it's something that you've been thinking about for days, um, it uh, would serve you both better, I believe, to give the other person a moment to, to consider, like, am I ready to have that type of conversation with you? And you might find, sadly, that some people in your life never create moments like that and are afraid of this type of engagement. And that there wouldn't be a safe space where they wouldn't just tell you, oh, no, you're not depressed. Just take vitamins and exercise. (laughs) But your chances are likelier if you ask for this directly and say, hey, can we have a serious conversation where you focus on me for five minutes, Mm -hmm. 15 minutes Mm -hmm. or up to a half hour, whatever it is that you Mm -hmm. want. Um, And if they say I'm busy with work right now, then say, when is a good time to do that? In the next three days, in the next week, and they might say that there isn't one and that's a sad discovery that that person isn't there for you in the way that you need them emotionally and you may have to find somebody else. Yeah. Yeah. Um, The other thing I want to say about setting up that safe container for yourself is so often I have uh, thought that I was really communicating what I needed from someone and thought that I was being so direct and so clear. But 
again, my programming has kept my voice and my ability to communicate directly so small that I think I'm out there with a loudspeaker, but I'm yeah. whispering and yeah. metaphorically. Right. Um, and so be careful that you're not um, buying into your uh beliefs in your head about I'm already asking too much. I'm already a burden. I'm already this, that, and the other, and just be as clear, uh, and descriptive and concrete as you can be and try to just for this time that you need to communicate, I need help. And even if you don't know what that, don't know what that means yet to just put that sense of I have to protect other people's feelings on the back burner. Mm -hmm. Um, Don't worry that you're going to dump something on them because you've been holding on to these feelings for a very long time and they've been festering and dumping themselves on you. Mm -hmm. You deserve a minute or whatever, you know, not actually 60 seconds, but a moment to let someone else share that with you and trust that, they are there for you. They care for you. If they've demonstrated this, yes. that they would want to take that on with you. Um, someone told me recently the best fucking quote. And uh, you know what? It was one of my client's parents, which is just so awesome to be able to mm-hmm. say. Um, he said, uh, joy. Wait. Oh my God. Joy shared is joy multiplied and pain shared is pain divided. Mm. So you can unburden yourself from what's going on and ask someone else to help you hold it. And it will be a manageable amount of weight for both of you to hold. Yeah. And also to, of course, celebrate with people because that, again, that ignites people that Mm -hmm. inspires them and, and that multiplies the joy, but don't think that you are, like gonna take someone down by telling them that you are suffering from anxiety Mm -hmm. and depression and you need help getting a therapist, some taking some action step. Joy shared is multiplied. Pain shared divides is divided. Yeah. Wow. I like that a lot. I know me too. I can't believe it's taken me this long to like bring it back up into a conversation. Cause as soon as I heard it, I was like, holy shit, say that again. I need that in my personal repertoire. Probably you could sub out, uh, joy and pain with love and fear. Sure. Hmm. Sure. Yeah. (laughs) Good stuff. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. Interesting. Yeah. Yeah. And even multiplication and division as concepts align with the positive and negative poles that we think of as like joy and Mm -hmm. pain. Mm hmm. Wow. And I want to thank you <laughs> yeah. um, for giving us this opportunity to divide your pain. Mm-hmm. It does not burden us to talk about no. what you're going through. It gives us an opportunity to help you by sharing the experiences that we've had with this sort of thing. Um, and hopefully other people will see themselves in your question. I know they will. Yes. Um, and will be helped by what we say as a result of it. So you putting yourself out there to ask for help has the possibility to help people beyond you. Mm-hmm. Even if it didn't, you deserve to get that help. <laughs> yeah. yeah. I know it's really hard to trust that. And you're going to think of a million reasons why you don't, but you do. You do. Thank you. And thank you. Yeah. Yeah. So awesome. Mm -hmm. So awesome. So be gentle with yourself as Mm -hmm. you go about asking for help in a moment. That's not so emotionally intense. Think about what are you asking for? What do you want from someone? Do you want a half an hour to talk? Do you want them to help you set up an appointment with a therapist? Um, Think of a concrete ask um, so that you will have worked yourself up to this very scary thing and then actually get a concrete, get what you want out of it. Yes. Um, uh, to two quick tips that have helped me, um, with depression has been to take responsibility for something that I care about in a very small way. Hmm. Just, um, what's an example? Um, I care about being a writer. So committing to writing one true hmm. thing in my journal every day. Mm-hmm. Um, that's something that's helped me with depression. Even though I really hated doing it, I'd feel better about myself because, okay, 
look, I can do that. I did that. And then I'd feel a small little sparkle of pride. Yeah. And then and make it super manageable. Yes. That's the, the second small. part of it is most people's biggest mistake in improving is failing to set the bar sufficiently low enough. Yes. And they, when they can't do a triple backflip on their skateboard on the first day, they give up <laughs> because they think, oh, I'm sick at everything. I'm really good yeah. at things. I'm used to getting straight A's. And unfortunately, our world doesn't treat us to be patient with skill acquisition. So most people don't acquire skills that take a long time to take sucking for a long time. Like you have the way you get good at anything is sucking until you don't. Yes. Yes. You are not seeing the person doing those backflips. They have some special skill that you don't and they did it overnight and it's taken you years. Mm -hmm. Like they took those years. They took that chance on themselves. And there was incremental joy of improvement along the way, which you're also missing. And that's where most people find the the bulk of the value of actually what made this meaningful was the moment that I did half a backflip and landed (laughs) on my face. And then, you know, it's not the applause that I got when I did a triple backflip. It's like, it's the journey that matters. Um, So I hope that you were patient with yourself, as Morgan said, on this journey. Um, You may not have overnight um switch in your feeling of being a success in this regard but slow and steady progress and probably some moments of breakthroughs that do feel like oh that was a big change um peppered here and there is what i've seen happen in me and in other people who i know who've gotten better Mm -hmm. going from a bad place to a good place yes um i will say i have i'm 29 i've suffered from depression since i was 13 up until less than a year ago, I did not think it was possible for me to not feel suicidally depressed most of the time. Mm -hmm. And so I never really tried not to. I was like, this is part of me. This is who I'm going to be for the rest of my life. I'm always going to be wanting to die. I'm always going to be looking for that, that ripcord to just pull. Um, And so I didn't put the faith and trust in myself of taking a lot of the little actions that would have made me feel better along the way um, or just believing that it was even possible. And only now that I've done that work for over a decade um, and tinkered and gone through like all the emotional highs and lows um, and successes and failures and successes and failures and successes and failures and new rock bottoms and somehow gotten myself aligned enough to things that are important to me, things that bring me joy, um, things that make me feel good. Have I crossed over that line of going, oh my God, it's even, it's possible for me to be happy in this lifetime as this person who is Morgan Beard. And I, I didn't believe it until I saw it happen for myself. And so I'm telling you, it is possible, mm-hmm. but you have to give yourself permission to trust. Um, and I wish you all of the luck and the persistence and the mm. patience and the compassion <laughs> that that requires. Yeah. <laughs> but I also want, if you do anything after listening to this podcast, praise yourself for reaching out for help because you already did it. Yeah. Do not let that slip away. Yes, that's a big win. And you can do it again with the people that you know, not anonymous mm. internet strangers. <laughs> right, right. Yeah. Yeah. Or you can do it again with us. Yeah. Please, we'd We're love here. to hear from you. Yeah. You can just write us an email at freeadvicepodcast at gmail.com. Yes. Can either talk to you on the show or off of the show. Yeah. We'd love to hear from you. Yeah. How it goes. All right, guys, Uh, this has been a great episode. I'm really struck by the weight of the topics that we've been discussing and how some of this is really potentially serious, life-changing stuff. And who knows if some of these people may never even listen to the episode, but I'm touched by having this conversation with you, Morgan. And um, probably somebody else who listens to the episode will get something out of this, even Mm -hmm. if they were not the person asking the question. Totally. And that's cool. I'm happy with the way that we're spending our Monday afternoon. Yeah. And I really, I mean, this podcast is making those giant changes in my life too. Mm. Like I'm getting way more comfortable with talking uh, for an hour and you know, all that, like, (laughs) you know, uh, you guys are watching us go through these major life shifts too. And I mean, like we just, you know, at the top of the episode where we talked about how like 
was, my was dad the had anglerfish sticks thing. Yeah, it was that changed oh, my that life. That was funny. Um, was I was so going to mention the voice <laughs> home for my dad. Um, oh, so whatever. that major yeah, shift. That was cool too. But yeah, <laughs> we're but putting ourselves out there too. With a dick on its face. That shit's funny. <laughs> <laughs> All right, guys. We love you. Keep up the good work. Sleep tight, sweet dreams, and wake up tomorrow and do it all over again. And feel a little different. Yeah. <laughs>